Welcome, everybody, Yankee Chronicles Podcast. I'm Bobby. I'm here with Evan, Rob, and Donald. And joining us today, we have a special guest. We have Terry Cushman Jr. with us. Terry, thanks for coming on with us today. You want to uh, give your uh, your podcast a shout out? Go ahead. Well, thanks again for having me. And uh, I am one of five hosts of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. You can find that on just about any platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of them. And uh, you can find us on Twitter at Bastards underscore Boston. Awesome. Yeah, we'll put the description. We'll put that link in the uh, that handle in the uh, description on the video. So anybody that wants to uh, check them out. I actually, I recommend you do. They're a group, great group of guys. Uh, what was the the overall reaction to the to the Benintendi move? As far as us on the podcast, we understood why it happened. I mean, his you know he basically fell off a cliff as far as his offensive performance, his uh, defensive metrics have had also slipped, and. High and Bloom was in a tough spot. Do you do you take a chance and hope he gets better, or do you just cash in now and get what you can get? And the latter is what he chose. Again, we all understood the move. If you take the temperature of the fan base, you know, based on what you see on social media, half of them want to light Fenway Park on fire. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a very mixed uh, reaction, but uh, not one we could have foreseen uh, a few years ago. But, but that's the way the cookie crumbled. Yeah. Yeah. But Nintendo just gave that vibe that he really embraced the, the rivalry when playing, you know, playing the Yankees. And, you know, you just have those players once in a while that they just play different, you know, more intense when these two teams meet. Ben Intendi definitely fit that mold. So I'm actually, as much as I'm glad that he's off the team, I am going to miss, you know, playing against him for that reason. Is there any point in the rivalry overall, that one moment that stands out for you? Oh, geez. Uh, well, I mean, oh, four. Is that background me? Sorry, I was getting some feedback, but uh, oh, four uh, definitely stands out. You know, but we finally reversed the curse. First team to come back, you know, down three games to nothing in the ALCS. Um, you, you had the incident with Veritech and A Rod that year as well. Um, but so that, that's definitely the biggest one. 18 was fun. You know, it didn't quite reach the, um, intensity of, you know, 14 years prior to that, but, but, uh, you know, it was the first time that the Red Sox and the Yankees faced off in the playoffs, you know, since social media was created, you know, Facebook, Twitter didn't exist back in those days. Yeah. So, yeah, so, I mean, it's it's been fun. The The unfortunate part now is both teams aren't really on the same wavelengths, you know, and they're not primed, you know, with really robust rosters right now to go at each other with. The The premier rivalry in MLB right now is going to be the, the Dodgers and the Padres out on the other coast, but hopefully we'll get there, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ev, what was the one moment in the uh, the rivalry? You, that, is there a game, a moment, a year, 
What stands I out mean, that really just boils your blood? There's a bunch of them, but there's no <laughs> rivalry anymore because the Boston sucks. They haven't been <laughs> since 2018, and we, you know, they crushed us then. But um, uh, like I said, there's a couple to, uh, when Don Zimmer was thrown down to the ground. That was a pretty yeah. big one. But my favorite one ever was when Jeff Nelson was in the bullpen and the grounds crew chief in Boston or whatever was giving him shit the whole game. And Kareem Garcia jumped over the right field fence and got in a fight with this guy. And then Kareem Garcia, Kareem Garcia basically got thrown out of the leagues and went to the Mexican leagues where he was like a superstar and hit a bunch of home runs. Uh, so that stands out for me. Yeah. Rob, what about you? Uh, it's probably I, – I laugh about it every time. It's got to be when the Boston fans wore the masks to taunt Dayrod. Like that, every, every single time I see that picture show up, it just cracks me up. Because even though it was a anti-Yankee thing, it was just hilarious to me. Anything involving A-Rod getting upset or uh, a Veritech kicked his ass, that was also kind of funny to me. It's like, why are you attacking, <laughs> wearing all this gear? And uh, yeah, there was there's so many moments uh, going back, like, you know, big things like fights and all that. But in-game moments, it's 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 3 you know, that's my favorite moment because that whole game seven, that just – it's one of the greatest baseball games I've ever seen. Let, let Put aside Yankees-Red Sox for a second. The, the whole way that game unfolded was just, you know, between leaving Pedro in for too long and the comeback, the bloop hit by Posada, just everything that went down in that game was insane. And to have it end against Wakefield, with that damn knuckleball, that was <laughs> – uplifting so yeah Boone's home run is is a favorite amongst Yankee fans and but I love seeing A-Rod get beat up though I I will say that (laughs) don't forget the uh the incident with Ryan Dempster you know when he came back from I he was out for a little while I don't think he was serving a suspension but they came to Fenway and you guys probably remember how that went down yeah that was 2013 um I think he was hurt but he like appealed the suspension or something that he got plunked and the fans loved it and yeah uh, a-rod just stood there with his hand on his hip no he got, he got him back though because he hit a home run uh right. yeah his next at batter the one after that but yeah yeah it was, that was a good one too with dempster donald what, what what stands out for you so i've got so many memories i, I, I really know. do i really do miss the uh the intense rivalry that we had back, you know, back in the day when, uh, um, when Joe Torre was the was the Yankee manager and stuff. The, the Yankee Red Sox games launched for about five hours, and you know, no no game was secure. Every game was tight right down to the end. Even if you're up five or six runs, it could go very quick. You know, that was the kind of and and the the intensity, of the fans was just priceless and. Whether it's at Fenway or Yankee Stadium, it was just amazing, and you loved it. You know, whatever side of the aisle you're on, you loved it. Loved that intensity. The my favorite memories, I would say, obviously the Pedro Martinez throwing down Don Zimmer, as as Evan mentioned, um, and of course uh, the, the the one the couple of ones that Rob mentioned there. Um, with the kind of fun with the A-Rod stuff was good. But I also kind of liked how A-Rod kind of got his own back because he was getting abused at Fenway. And he had a big home run, you know, and he had a big smile on his face. 
I like that. That was cool. Um, and then there was some great ones. Um, but of course, Aaron Bleeping Boone was a very famous uh, home run. That was the best game of all time. It was just so much fun. It was all, the, the likelihood of the Yankees winning that game was like very, like very, very, very low at the point when Lucina came in and uh, he kind of saved the day. Giambi hit a big home run that, that, that's been kind of lost in the shuffle. Giambi hit a big home run to, to kind of start the, the the rally a little bit. And then, um, and then of course, the miraculous comeback and, and Boone uh, hitting that home run. Um, so, you know, Red Sox fancy Aaron Boone and stuff. So, like, it's kind of fun. So, yeah, I mean, there's just so many memories. I do just miss the intensity. We don't have that intensity anymore. No. I loved the intensity. I lived on it. That's what baseball was all about. For me. And it's, it was a different – we're in a different era now of baseball. That kind of intensity isn't really there normally between us at the moment, and I want to get that back. Yeah, I mean, it's very simple. In 2003, 2004, during those two seasons, when you were a Yankees, Yankees fan or a Red Sox fan, when those two teams played, you cleared your schedule because you didn't want to miss it at bat. You didn't want to miss a pitch. You know, it was just that intense. It was a great time to be a fan of, of both teams because it was – as soon as they said play ball, it was anybody's game, you know, and – we got the upper hand in 2003, even though it really wasn't it didn't come easy. No. You know, we had to have that, that comeback with, in the Aaron Boone game. And then it just ignited the Red Sox for 2004. And they just came in with an intensity. And you go back to that game, the, the uh, A-Rod Veritek fight. That was the turning point. Yeah, that changed yeah. everything for the Red Sox that year. Yeah, and they traded Nomar shortly after that, and you know, so a lot of a lot of you know series of events unfolded before we finally went on that run. Yeah, and I mean, even the players back then. I, I know Kurt Schilling is kind of polarizing, you know, because of his politics. But just look at the bloody sock game. You see all these players going on the DL for stupid stuff. Yeah. And here he is having a makeshift surgery on the clubhouse table to go pitch a playoff game. So, I mean, here's another way to look at it, too. When you go back to 03 and 04, none of those guys were millennials. You know, they were the older generation. So it's just so much different now. And everything's just so PC and players getting fined for stupid crap. You know, I just so I think I think that takes away from it, unfortunately, as well. I completely agree. That's what I'm missing to totally. Going into this season, um, who's that one player on the Red Sox roster that is the biggest threat to the to the opposing team? I would say at this point, you, you got to go with Devers. You know, he has a penchant for clutch moments and, you know, he can go deep. He had that, you know, iconic at bat off of Chapman. That was like his coming out party. Yeah. And the, the moment just isn't too big for him. So I, I would I would say he could be the guy. Alex Verdugo as well. He hasn't really had a full season yet, you know, because of injuries. And then last year just 
you know, being 2020, he's a guy that I think will, will thrive on the rivalry. And we've got a kid named Tristan Casas, who's like six, six down in the um, minors. I think he's going to play double a this year, provided the, you know, the minor league schedule, you know, gets going, but but he's got light tower power and he's already talking crap. He goes, I can't wait to, I can't wait to play the Yankees and stuff. So, so, you know, those are some guys I kind of look at. Chris sale would be another one, but he like Severino, he won't be back until probably early summer. He's a bum. (laughs) (laughs) Severino, right? (laughs) How do you feel about getting Ottavino from us? Are you happy about the Ottavino trade? You know, I'm not really a Heim Bloom guy as of yet. I just I don't understand some of the moves that they made, and the bullpen wasn't really an area of need. So to take on his whole contract, basically, well, I think all but like eight hundred fifty thousand yeah. of it. Um, it's just a little perplexing, and we got a prospect back in the deal who I guess tops out at 98 miles an hour. So maybe that was what bloom was enamored with, but I mean, it doesn't hurt to have a guy like Ottavino as you guys know full. Well, if a runner gets on first base, it's an automatic steal, you know, because his delivery is so slow. So I Mm -hmm. I do kind of worry about that a little bit, but I I think you're going to get an uptick from him though. though. You're going to get an uptick from him. He's got a, vicious sliders it's like one of the best in the uh, in the league for relievers i believe it's a phenomenal slider uh, it's just yeah. getting him to be consistent uh, the 2020 season i don't think is you can really base it on performance because the previous year before that he was he was really good one, you know, of, his one of the best years. relievers in the yeah. yeah he was terrific so yeah, i think you'll see an uptick more for the they did that trade more for the high upside with the prospect, Frank Herman. He really, like Cushman was saying a second ago, he throws fire. His only issue is control, like most of our prospects. Um, yeah. You know, he's a little bit like Gill. I don't think he's going to be that high upside as Gill, but if you can, you know, put him in as a back-end starter or a very solid setup man, you got a pretty good prospect. Yeah. If uh, Ottavino blows a save or whatever, it's going to be like conspiracy theory, like <laughs> central. They're going to be like, Cashman sent him over here to blow games. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're going to say. No, you could hear that now. I'll be on my couch saying, don't let him close. Regan <laughs> Hernandez. <laughs> uh, you'd rather have Devis pitch than, than – uh... Adovino at that point. <laughs> Maybe. The, um, what, what do you make? Are, are you guys able to have – did they announce if uh, in Boston they're going to be able to have fans in the stands yet? Nothing's been announced. Uh, Sam Kennedy, who's like the president of the business aspect of the team, uh, says he's cautiously optimistic that uh, we could have fans on opening day. Boston's been extremely strict and New York's right there as well, yeah. you know, with restrictions. So, um, so uh, ho- hopefully it happens, but it, it's got to happen by summer. You would think. Yeah. Cause I know that uh, February 23rd, New York arenas and stadiums can hold up, you know, can have 10%. 10%. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, right now the Yankees are planning on going by, the longevity of season tickets 
not how much you spent on them, which okay. I think is a good idea. Yeah. Oh. So hopefully they stick to that. And they're also evaluating because it's outdoors if they can expand the percentage up to 15. And so I heard that whisper the other, yesterday as well. So hopefully we'll be able to get to some games. Yeah, I mean, it'll be nice to see fans in the crowd again, especially when the Astros come to town. I'm going on May 4th to fight the Astros. I'll probably get arrested. <laughs> awesome. You know, the, the Astros, you know, we had some playoff matches against them as well. And um, they lucked out last year. They did not have to face the music at all. And now some of the yeah. players are gone. <laughs> yep, well, I think Toronto. we can unite in our hatred towards the Astros team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, what was your overall feel for 2017 with, when that whole scandal broke out? I mean, they beat us in, in game four and then faced you guys, you know, the next round. But the Red Sox were a dumpster fire going into the playoffs. Um, John Farrell is the worst manager I've ever seen. His baseball IQ. Have you seen is... Aaron Boone? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> You guys had an easy out to fire him last year, and I, I was shocked that uh, Cashman didn't take it. But because uh, you know Hold you're on. starting to see him get on the hot seat a little bit as well, so yeah. you, you would think that he would want a you know a newer guy in there to you know kind of light a fire. But but Farrell was bad, and from a baseball IQ standpoint, I mean Bobby Valentine was a smarter baseball guy. Yeah. He was he was socially a lot dumber, you know. Every time he op- <laughs> every time he opened his mouth, but but uh, you know, in game you just knew Farrell was going to blow it, and I think he kind of ruined the culture. So I had a real bad feeling. And if you guys remember, going down the stretch, we might have had to play a game one sixty three against each other, Red Sox and the and the Yankees for the division because the Red Sox were just coughing them up and. I think the Yankees luckily lost game 161. So that kept us, you know, in the, um, I think it was the one seed, the one or the two seed. I couldn't remember, but, but we won the division nonetheless and then had to face the, the cheating Astros. (laughs) So I think me and Red Sox have fans of one thing in common. A mutual dislike to Aaron Boone for completely different reasons. (laughs) 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 I mean, the guy's whole career is one home run. Yeah. 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 He he can light up an umpire, though. Uh, Yeah, but that's all he's going to be known for. That doesn't help us. Yeah, he wanted to be known for winning multiple championships, not because he came up with savages in the box, like a jackass and a bad temper. Who gives a shit? Yeah, true. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it was fun to see the, the him finally get a little fire up his ass, but we need more than no, that. We want. See, I know, hate a Rod. I hate a Rod more than anything, and we got a Rod because Boone didn't listen to his fucking contract, went yeah. out and played pickup basketball, and got hurt, and now he's the manager of a team trying to teach us integrity, where he can't even communicate to Gary Sanchez, who sits on the bench and doesn't know why. It's an idiot. I I hate Aaron Boone more than anyone. Seriously. Me too. <laughs> I feel you. I'll tell you what, though. I think they would have got a Rod anyway. I would, I would think. I yeah, well, no, they were ball. getting a Rod because there was no way that Steinbrenner was going to let him go to Boston. 
Don't forget, he was going to go to Boston first. Yeah, yeah I wanted yeah, that, that to happen because I know he sucks in the playoffs, and I think we would have destroyed A-Rod, and it would have made the rivalry that much more fun because he would have done all those shenanigan bullshit to us, and it would have infuriated us, and it would have been hilarious. Oh, thank God history worked out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've I had some I don't hate him as much as some Yankee fans. I think he's pretty good. I mean, he did not hate him. It. He lied three times and did multiple other things and still yeah. lying about who he is. He's but as you say, the World Series is the greatest deodorant, and he carried us in 2009. No, he so. did not, Matt. He Suey is, did. He, Stop fucking saying that. Through the, the whole year, <laughs> he carried us. He, he had about 54 home runs. Man, it doesn't discount what Matt Suey did. You're wrong. I'm just You're saying, he had a great wrong. year. It's hold a, on, hold on. It's hold a on, deodorant. Don, 09, A Rod was hurt for like the first month and he hit 30 home runs. He had he had to get like two homers and seven RBIs in the last game to reach 30 and 100. You're Dude, thinking of He was literally seven. good in the first two rounds of that playoff. And then he batted 273 with a bunch of doubles in the World Series. And then if you look at the rest of his postseason career, he's a under 200 hitter multiple times. He fucking sucks in the postseason. But because of 09, we're going to give him all this magical credit. Even though Matt Sui was a fucking beast from round one, two, all the way to the World Series. And then we said, you know what? Fuck him because he has bad knees. We're not going to resign him, but we're going to keep a motherfucking Keeter who's lied to us multiple times and is going to do it again, which he did twice. Fuck A-Rod. <laughs> Evan is, is the Cushman of, of Yankee Nation because yeah. I, I rage against my own team quite a bit. And, <laughs> A-Rod gets a pass on one thing. Nobody ever brings this up, and it frustrates me. If you go back to that scandal in 2013, if you you watch the 60 Minutes interview, Manfred basically admits that A-Rod tried to have a steroid dealer whacked. (laughs) So I just – nobody ever brings that up. Manfred says on there, clear as day, the person of greatest concern to Anthony Bosch's safety – was a known associate of Alex Rodriguez. Wow. And, so, that, that actually does I'll get swept up. up under. <laughs> watch, watch the 60-minute interview on yeah, YouTube. It's, it's, it's a two-parter, so it's like 20 minutes in total, but it's it's really riveting. And, awesome. and then there's a, another documentary on Netflix, if you have time, called Screwball that uh, covers I've some of it as one. well. Yeah. 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 I actually had the whistleblower on my podcast – um oh did you he, yeah it was supposed to be like a multi-part but after the second part i just couldn't deal with the guy <laughs> he, was just, <laughs> he was just add always changing things he was tough to communicate with and you know i'm glad i met him but but yeah but if you watch screwball it, it's a great documentary now, oh. what, what's your take on the with the rule changes with the seven-inning double headers and the man on second base and extra innings. Because uh, our point of view is it's kind of ruining the game and taking, you know, catering to a lesser percentage of a fan base. Yeah, I'm more of a purist, so I, I don't like to see many changes at all. I get why managers like the, the seven-inning double headers because – it takes the load off the bullpens, you know, especially if they have to play a game the next day after playing two. So I get that. I'm not crazy about it. I absolutely hate everything about the runner on second base um, and, and extras. 
another thing I, I there's a whole laundry list the three batter minimum rule drives me nuts i think yeah. that ruins the game it kills Dumb. some of the natural elements um i'm not a big pitch clock guy um breaking up the the runner at second base i know that's been implemented for a number of years now but that's horrible and where the where the runner can't take the the baseman out on the slide that makes that play reviewable now. So yeah. those those instant replays are slowing the game down. So I just – there's just so many things about the game. I just – I hate the way it's trending. And the one thing I do hate about the seven-inning uh, doubleheaders is that you're starting to see propaganda for just seven-inning games. You know, and I think that would be terrible. The union probably would never approve of it because it would take jobs away from relievers and whatnot. But but you are seeing the propaganda out there. And the thing that frustrates me the most is the people that complain don't even watch it, aren't even watching it on a nightly basis. So we're letting those people ruin it for us. No, it is because... It's not the same. It's, this isn't what we want to see. We don't want, you know, they're making the cha- they're making changes to help the game, but they're not helping the game. And Manfred is the biggest culprit. You know, sometimes you question if he even enjoys the sport because he's, he's taken away everything that us diehards enjoy about it. And it's only a matter of time before we start tuning out. You know, it, it's, which will most likely never happen because we're addicted to the game, but it's, we're not going to tune in as often as we may, we may have and just read the reports in the morning. But see, that's the problem. Cause we still are tuning in and his job at the end of the day is to make all the owners money. He works for them. That's his job. And he's doing a pretty good job of that. So it's a pain in the ass for us, the fans sitting here, hoping that he's going to make changes that, you know, benefit us. He's not. He's making changes that benefit the owners because he knows that's what's going to benefit everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I, the other thing that we, one of the things we wanted to bring up also with, with the, with the rules and um, the, there was a tweet that Dave, uh, David Lennon put out a couple of days ago. And it says uh, for spring training games from February 27th through March 13th, the defensive team can also end an inning before three outs, provided the pitcher has thrown 20 pitches. Now, I understand that the, for the spring training, you know, you, you don't want to overwork your arms too early in the, you know, before the season starts. But what makes me nervous is that that's just a, a, another way that they're going to try to throw that into the regular season rolls. Yeah, you know, you give him an inch and, and he takes yeah. a mile, and I get it. And they had robot – no, was it robot umpires? Yeah, the, the Atlantic League. Yeah, and they're like, oh, don't worry about this. It's just something we're doing down there. And then guess what? You know, a, yeah. a couple of years from now, they're going to they're gonna do it up here. So whenever well, the they're trying anything, they're, it's coming. Well, the umpires yield their own fate because they all suck. <laughs> well, some of them do yeah I one of them the, was like the robots like, are going to be named angel <laughs> yeah well well speaking of angel you had brian onora you know banging hookers in the off season i don't know if you guys heard about that <laughs> no Terrible. fill me in on that what's going on with that 
Yeah, well, you, you could Google it, Brian Onora, but he uh, there was uh, a sting operation in the town that he lives in, and like 15 people got you know, arrested during the sting because the hooker was a cop. <laughs> in that case. And uh, yeah, dude got, <laughs> dude got horny and then he got arrested. So uh, I'm, uh, I, I'm guessing uh, that's the end of his career. Yeah. That's awesome. But no, it's, it's just crazy. It's great. <laughs> What's uh What's your take, Terry, on the, the state of the Yankees now? Do you think they're on that? Uh, you think they could actually take the whole thing this year? Um, no, I do not. Um, All right, so who do you think is the biggest threat in the American League to the Yankees? Well, I, uh, let me put it this way. Could they go to the World Series? Yeah, it's possible. And there's a decent likelihood. I mean, the White Sox on paper, I, I would say, are probably better and they're probably going to be healthier. Um, but the Tony La Russa effect, it's just kind of remains to be seen. The Blue Jays could kind of make a, a sneaky step forward. I have concerns about their pitching, but, you know, they got a very robust lineup. Their bullpen's a little bit better. Um, but yeah, the American league is just kind of a wasteland right now, but when you look at what the, the Yankees have, and then you look at the Braves, the Dodgers, the Padres, even they're just not quite there. And the thing about Cashman, I'm a huge Cashman critic and I've been criticizing Hein Bloom all winter. So it's not like it's, I'm not just being a hater, but Cashman's just gotten terrible value out of a lot of his players. I mean, the entire outfield, why give Hicks seven years? I know it's not a lot of money per year, but it adds up. Uh, that's why That's why we get Adam Adovino for basically nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just take on the deal. And, oh, by the way, have a free prospect while you're at it. Um, you know, and he his the outfield has just been very injury prone. The Stanton deal was an albatross. He's going to go in the witness protection program like Ellsbury did in probably <laughs> another another year or two. Um, so the outfield's not great. I I got nothing but respect for Aaron Judge, but I, I've got a lot of concerns about a player that's, that's 6'8", 280. I just don't know that they're built to, to play, you know, long careers. And I mentioned tr- – Tristan Casas. I mean, in our minor league system, that's going to be a concern I have for him based on what I'm seeing with you guys. So, so I've got a lot of concerns about health with you guys. Um, you made some moves to your rotation. You know, Tyon is okay. He's a middle of the rotation guy. Um, you got one more, didn't you? Kluber. Kluber, yeah, I'm extremely pessimistic about that, and I wanted no part of that for the Red Sox. But then what do we do? We go get Garrett Richards, who's probably going to pitch even fewer innings than Kluber. Um, so, yeah, I got I got a lot of concerns, and I think you guys need a new GM. I really do. Someone who's nerdy that fits the contemporary mold that's going to – you know, bring in a, a fresh mindset. And, and I think at that point, you guys are going to, you know, you guys could take a step forward, but the Orioles are going to be no joke when they get that rebuild done. They've got some smart executives in that front office 
and Toronto's doing a pretty good job. Tampa's going to be Tampa, you know, <laughs> regardless. Tampa and drives it, me freaking nuts. Yeah. And here, here's another thing, too, though. Your payroll situation has been a mess forever. And I think losing to the Rays, who were like a $60 million overall payroll, I think that was a wake-up call to the Yankees front office. Yeah. You know, yeah, you got to stop wasting money. And Cashman is like a, a 90s, early 2000s GM. It, we just had Dave Dombrowski. Same thing. Same thing. Yeah, that guy he destroyed us. Money for you to win one, and now you guys are in, you know, a huge purgatory. Can I can yeah. I rebut a couple of the things that you bring bring up here? The Ottavino yeah. Ottavino trade was not something that Brian Cashman cooked up on his own. That was because of ownership. Um, he had to he basically had to lessen the payroll. He had to free up nine ten million in order to to ensure that he had some moves for the whole season, add a couple of relievers and stuff. So that's why he made the Ottavino trade. He didn't do it just to give you a free prospect. So. No, that. no, um, but it was a product though of a of a bad payroll though. Well, that's ultimately. yeah, that I agree with. I do agree with you about the Hicks contract. I think I think the years were too many. But um, to be right. honest, I think that the the tie on trade is brilliant because he's actually better than a middle rotation starter. I think he's uh, uh, it's just dependent on on him being healthy. If he's healthy, he's easily a two, I think. Um, and Kluber, he had. Uh, a ton of teams that were interested in him and uh, he had a great workout and stuff. So I think the Yankees were, were basing it on the, on the, uh, the really good um, feedback he got from his, from the workout that he had and uh, the amount of teams that were interested. So that's what Cashman said in regards to that. So I, I think those deals are actually good volume. I mean, but we can all, we can only go by health really. It's, 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 it's difficult to call with these things. Um, I think there was. I think he actually had a strong off season, and I think like the, the deals for like Luke Voigt and DJ LeMahieu and all these kind of things shows that he's actually a modern GM. Like he's up with the analytics. We've got one of the best analytics in the in the whole baseball, and uh, and um, he's made a lot of really good value deals to make up for some of the mistakes that have happened in the past, but. So, I mean, you're not entirely wrong, but there's a few things that I think shows that he's actually one of the better GMs in baseball. Well, he's better. Cashman's value is trades, not free agency. You know, that's where we've given him the credit. You know, he he could, you know, he's very smart with how he, you know, who he moves. He's missed the boat on moving some of our prospects. He's good in the international market with free agents. He's very good in that. We have a good scouting department for that as well. Yeah. I I, th- I think calling him a, a bad GM is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It, it makes no sense. He literally got DJ LeMahieu to take under a hundred million dollars, added two more years, and we're going to sit here and act like, oh god, it's going to be terrible because DJ is going to be like thirty-eight. Who gives a shit? Why do we sit here as fans and worry about age? We used to worry about baseball players getting to age forty. Now it's like thirty-two. Oh my god, they're thirty-two! Holy shit! Like, calm the fuck down. It's not a big deal to me. Age, age is nothing. I don't give a shit about age. Well, L- the, the, this is another – here's another point I'd like to make. You, you go to 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, A-Rod, Tashira, Sabathia, they, they all got old. And so? you're, you're on the same schedule with guys like Stanton, LeMahieu, and – I don't think Chapman or, or Britton are going to be around quite that long, but 
I think you're looking at a similar window coming up. And I don't know if, I just don't know if Cashman can, can avoid it. You have to give him credit for the LeMahieu deal, though. I mean, that was. I, I didn't like that deal. I, I didn't like that deal because I, I thought you should have addressed pitching a, a little bit better. If Kluber is a stud this year or, you know, pitches somewhat to a semblance of a, of a top of the rotation type guy and then tie on who, who's not a strikeout guy by any means. And I would have a lot of concerns about that in Yankee stadium, you know, well, he's, a, he's against, a ground ball pitcher. Yeah. That'll help in Yankee stadium. Yeah. That's exactly what we need. Ching Ming well, Wong was exactly that. I, I, I'm not comfortable with it. If that was what the Red Sox rotation, guys, to be negative. Wait five minutes and I'll I'll destroy my own team. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I just I'm not I'm not in love with it, you know. And you you see what some of those other juggernaut teams have out there and. There's just nobody in the American League right now. The National League is where it's at, and yeah. and they've got some on of the best paper. GMs in baseball. Well, I on, think well, Alex everything had, on paper. You can't I go by on, on paper. Doesn't mean shit. It means on paper until exactly. they get off the fucking paper. I don't really care what they do. Show me during the season that you're the best team. We've seen Padres do this how many times, and then they don't win shit. Let's go, Padres. You spent money how many times over the past ten years? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <it's true. laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> I won't say well, thing, <laughs> the Mets looked pretty year. good on paper last year too. Yeah, I, I just, well, overall, I just think that the fans, you know, the 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 real fans are in for a going to be in for a good baseball season. I think this, especially the National League, you know, it's going to be very competitive. It is every game. Game game one is going to matter just as much as game one sixty two. There are a ton, a ton of really great teams in the NL. I totally yeah. agree. Yeah, and it's just going to be a matter of keeping an eye on who we're going to have to face. You know, because there's really – I don't – like you said, aside from – and it's just on paper because they haven't even played yet, and I don't think teams are even done making moves yet. Well, I mean, you still have Jake Odorizzi out there, um, who I thought would have been good for the Yankees, but um, – but yeah, so he still needs to be signed and could, you know, be a, a force in a in another rotation as well. And I, I think there's one more out there. Rosenthal's out there, pretty uh, relief pitcher. The bullpen market's still pretty strong out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want Rosenthal. Isn't uh, Walker still out there? Played yeah. for the Blue Jays last year. Yeah, I like Simon Walker. He's good. Yeah. yeah, that's another guy. Absolutely. All right. Well, Terry, I just want to, I want to thank you again for coming on with us. Uh, we yeah. had a blast. And um, maybe during one of the uh, the rivalry weekends, we'll have you on again. And, yeah. Uh, just give you me know, a lot of fun. You know. Good talking to you, buddy. All right. Well, on behalf of everybody, yankeechronicles.com, I hope everybody has a good day. Stay safe. Stay smart.